You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. The Happily Ever Haunted podcast may contain graphic content that may include sexual violence, suicide, or murder. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Happily Ever Haunted Podcast. I'm Bailey. And I'm Milton. And this is the podcast where we tell you stories of the strange and unusual. Ooh. <laughs> is that that's supposed to be you a as ghost. a ghost? Yeah. That was very uh, non-threatening at all. It's the ghost that we have in our apartment. Nah, we don't have no ghosts. This, this place is too, it's too new for a ghost. Is it? I, I think so. You don't know. Someone could have died. I hope. I mean, that's true. We aren't the first. We aren't the first people here. So Milton swears there's like something in our office, which is where we record, because I have like this little like bum ass IKEA lamp, and it's one of those that like sticks onto like a shelf, and it's kind of like an interrogation lamp. <laughs> like it's really bright, and you can spotlight it, but sometimes it just. It flickers. And it doesn't do it consistently. I think that's where it kind of gets me kind of like weirded out. Because it will just be sitting there and it works perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden it starts flickering out of the blue. And you're like, like just now I just did it. Um, we're talking about it. <laughs> and... And you want to say we don't have a ghost. And, and it's it's super creepy. Everybody's <laughs> like, oh, well, if you just t- hit it the right way, it, it'll stay on if you just don't pay attention to it it's fine no we gotta (laughs) if it's if it's flickering it's gonna bother me okay so here's the thing here's how we could find out if we have a ghost in the house in the apartment we could do a seance nope we could use a ouija board nope okay let us know if you think that we should use a ouija board to find out if we have a ghost i'm telling y'all now the answer is no. <laughs> it's a hard pass. I just want to use a Ouija board. I mean, you, you can find you a friend. <laughs> That's hard social to come find. Ro- Rona time. Do a, a social distance Ouija board <laughs> reading, and and you'll just have yourself a good old time. Just don't do it in this apartment. My do it like friend, outside or something. My best friend's about to get her own apartment, so maybe we can find out if there's any ghosts in her you apartment. You know what? There you go. <laughs> you got you got your place. Just don't do it at our place. She's gonna listen to this and be like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna be like, man, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah. So what do you have for me today? Uh so yeah, I have a pretty pretty good story. Both uh, of us think that we have amazing stories. So I'm, I'm pretty sure mine's better, but we'll find out. I mean, it's not a competition here. I oh, didn't say, it's not? I didn't say. This is for the enjoyment <laughs> of our listeners. This is for the arts. This is for the art. We do it for the passion. For the art. For the craft. The witchcraft? The, <laughs> for the witchcraft. 
Anyways, so today I'm going to be covering the Sloss Furnaces. Ooh. Do you want to guess? It's about furnaces. Where the furnaces are, though. Oh, I think you told me. Uh, Portland, Morgan. Mm-hmm. Oregon. Mm-hmm. Portland, Morgan. Yeah, you said it was in Portland. Mm-mm. Okay, where do I think Sloss is? In due time. Mm, Indiana. Wrong. Missis- Missouri. Wrong. Okay, give me a part of the country. United States is it's fucking the big. South. Okay, uh, Texas. No. Louisiana. No. Okay, you can't just list out every freaking state. <laughs> South All right, I'm Carolina. just going to tell it like it is. Just going to tell what the state is. It's sweet home Alabama. Oh my God, stop. That's... <laughs> Do you know how pissed off I would be if I was a listener right now? <laughs> I mean, like Milton. <gasps> oh, our ghost is mad too. <laughs> the light literally just turned on and off. It's fine. It's I'd fine. be like, Milton just blew my eardrums out. <laughs> I, but I want, you have to, you can't talk about Alabama and not sing Sweet Home Alabama. Sure, 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 sure. Where the skies are so blue. Sure, 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 sure. Sweet Home Alabama. I'm coming home to you. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> so. It's definitely not you doing it. It's definitely our ghost that's making the light flicker. All right. So. Oh, our ghost does not like Alabama. <laughs> ghosts do not hang out in the South. There's. I'm literally talking about ghosts <laughs> that are hanging out in the South. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the Sloss Furnaces were founded on April 18th, 1882 in Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham was the location of choice because it had characteristics that made it unique to the rest of the world. Oh. uh, So the city was near large deposits of iron ore, coal, and limestone, the three principal raw materials used in making steel. Steely Dan. (laughs) Yeah, Steely Dan. Uh, This powerful combination of minerals quickly earned Birmingham the name The Magic City. Uh, no relation to Magic Mike. Uh, this steel, all the relation to Magic Mike. (laughs) This steel would become massively important since this is the this is around the time of the Industrial Revolution. Birmingham was founded on June first, eighteen seventy one, by Southern entrepreneurs to exploit these raw materials. One of the founders, Colonel James Withers Sloss created the furnaces after he helped form a coal company in nearby Jones Valley, Alabama. I like clean energy. Yeah, we'll, we'll get they kind of get fucked by <laughs> uh like the government towards the end here, but <laughs> uh just because of like pollution, but I'll get there. So, the companies that the companies that Sloss created were all in support of railroad develop- development. So, yeah, he was really big into railroads because, uh, you know, around this time, railroads were, you know, a big thing and no the future of t- transportation until like, you know, cars. Um, so. So, yeah. So he was really big into that. The furnaces were used to create something called pig iron, also known as crude iron which is the intermediate product before you make steel. So basically this pig iron is kind of like the, like before you have steel, you have pig iron. So it's like after you take the iron ore and you smelt it, 
it has like kind of the I don't want to smell it. <laughs> uh, it has the impurities of like carbon and uh, quartz and the other stuff that's mixed into the iron. And so it's very brittle. And so then when you heat that pig iron, you then take out the impurities and you make steel, no which really, hardens it. No relation to Canadian bacon. Right. Okay. <laughs> Plus, I don't know if I would want any to eat anything named Pig Iron. So No, definitely not. <laughs> Sloss quickly capitalized on Birmingham's fortunate location and the enormous amount of cheap labor available in the form of freed slaves. Mm. As you can expect, working in a furnace is a highly dangerous job. No on- way. <laughs> on top of that, the hours were extremely long in order to maintain constant production. Despite this, working at the Sloss Furnaces was a highly coveted job since it was state of the art at the time. No government. I feel like it's hot as fuck. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I definitely would not. It's be a good at that furnace job. in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. So you know it's hot like all day every day. Bro, I don't even want to step outside right now. Yeah. And it's like it's one oh one right now, and it's five forty five in the afternoon. Yeah. Like, could you imagine? The furnaces in the summer? Uh, I'll get there. <laughs> I actually have that in there. Oh. All right. I would suck at this job. I think a lot of us would suck at this job. <laughs> um, oh, there's no way you see. No, thank you. Right. So no government agency protected the rights of the workers. 12-hour days were the norm, and pay often came in the form of script scripts only good at the company store. So uh, a lot of the people that worked at the at the furnaces, they lived there as well. And so basically, you know, you work there and if you need anything, you go to the company store with the scripts that they pay you. So obviously you didn't really have your own money. Yeah. So there was a place near where I grew up like that. Oh, really? Yeah. And it kind of like. So you're never really, really, you were never really free because, you know, when you got paid, it wasn't real money. Yeah. As pig iron production grew in Alabama, Sloss became more revered throughout the state. Sloss received a, as one Alabama newspaper stated, a degree of adulation previously reserved for military heroes. In November 1881, the Birmingham Press promoted Sloss as a candidate for governor. James W. Sloss retired in 1886 at the age of 66 and sold the company to a group of financiers who guided it through a period of rapid expansion. The investors reorganized the company in 1899 into the Sloss Sheffield Steel and Iron Company, which is kind of ironic because they didn't actually make steel or iron. (laughs) They just pretty much processed iron and made it to the byproduct before steel. So, kind of funny there. <laughs> the group regularly utilized black black convict laborers that were purchased in collusion with local sheriffs in a system called peonage, also known as debt bondage. Sheriffs would arrest... Okay. Yes. I kind of hate that they used it as debt bondage. Well, that, that's a, a term for it. Hate that. But, like, what, like why do you hate that? Because, like, I hate debt. But, like, bondage. But. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Bro, calm down. 
<laughs> really calm down. <laughs> it's not even like that. <laughs> and all they're talking about is like collusion. Colludal. All right. Sheriffs would arrest mainly black men under often bogus charges of vagrancy, and the Sloss Company would purchase these men and work them as slaves. This allowed slavery to continue after the Civil War and amassed great wealth for Sloss. Huh, it's like the prison systems now. Yeah, as I was doing these notes, I was thinking that, and I was totally going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God. It was like, wow, this prison system is like, great. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what it is today. Um, yeah, so yeah, it was basically a loophole for slavery, which is uh, terrible. It's very sad. But there's a lot of loopholes for slavery. This, this is also true. Despite being dominated by black labor, the industry work, the industrial workplace was rigidly segregated until the 1960s. The company operated as a hierarchy. At the top, there was an all-white group of managers, chemists, accountants, and engineers, and then under under them were underpaid black workers. Uh, sounds like 2020 still. Sloss Sheffield became the second largest seller of pig iron in the district and among the largest in the world. The furnaces maintained success for quite some time. That is until people realized what the furnaces were doing to the environment. The Birmingham area had been suffering from a serious air pollution problem during the 1950s and 1960s due to the iron and steel industry there. So, yeah, the industry blew up because um, obviously the Sloss furnaces were not the only furnaces in the area. Uh, They popped up basically all over the state and all over the area of Birmingham. And so basically you have all these people burning coal and iron and all that stuff obviously creating (laughs) and or and uh kind of basically creating all this pollution (laughs) because i wanted to be on the podcast yeah it's our cat (laughs) so yeah basically creating all of our pollution all this pollution and uh so now obviously now the government's stepping in to kind of handle this Federal legislation such as the U.S. Clean Air Act encouraged the closure of older and out-of-date smelting works. As a result, the Sloss furnaces were closed down in 1971, and the property was donated to the Alabama State Fair Authority for possible development as a museum of industry. In, In 1981, the furnaces were designated as a National Historic Landmark, And the site currently serves as an interpretive museum of industry and hosts a nationally recognized metal arts program. However, if we go back, we can see how dangerous a workplace the furnaces were. While pay was low and hours ran high, industrial accidents were, were what workers feared most. Some men fell into the molten steel and incinerated, while others fell victim to the silent poisoning of carbon monoxide or to volatile bursts from steam pipes. Oh my god. Every inch of Sloss furnaces held danger for the workers who were who toiled there. Every precarious step could have been and often was their last. Perhaps the most ghastly death is one that befell a worker on his lunch break. Sitting near one of the large flywheels used to power the boilers, he leaned a little too close, and the wheel caught his clothing. 
slowly dragging him into the gears. So I read this, this, uh, this death. It was pretty gruesome. Uh, so yeah, he got caught in the gears and the people that witnessed it said that every time like the gear would go around, there'll be a little less of his body every time. Milton. I was like, oh. that's tragic. As so it was, it was a very vivid imagery. Poor guy. Yeah. During the you know, Sinjin said that you know mining in Australia was horrible. I can't imagine the furnaces in Alabama. Right. I just think that industry as a whole probably really just just sucks. sucks. Yeah. During the stifling summer months. Also, if you don't know who Sinjin is, it's not a fiance. <laughs> Uh yeah, you learned a little bit more about us today. We're huge. In, well, I don't know about you. Well, I'm I'm a casual fan. Bailey's more of the <laughs> huge fan of 90 Day Fiance because she's all over Instagram and stuff about it. But but we watch every Sunday and Monday. Yeah, I just like I watch it on Sunday and then I kind of go on about my life. Bailey just kind of like digs a little deeper. <laughs> I can't help if stuff pops up on my explore page. Yeah, that's also yeah, true. See? see, not my fault. That's true. Uh, during the stifling summer months, temperatures throughout the plant would reach more than 120 degrees. Ew. Lack of sleep, the heat, and low visibility made working working the furnace literally a quote-unquote living hell. With these conditions and work accidents, the paranormal activity in the furnaces is extremely high. At night, this old building still echoes with noises from its perilous past with screams being heard and apparitions being seen. The most famous apparition is James Slag Woodworm. Well, no, Wormwood. James Slag Wormwood. It's a, kind of a tongue twister. This dude's... Wormwood. ...is such a dick. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just jump into that. So, Wormwood was the foreman of the graveyard shift, the period between sunset and sunrise, where a skeleton crew of nearly 150 workers toiled to keep the furnace fed. Wormwood would make his workers take dangerous risks, forcing them to speed up production in order to impress his managers. During his reign, 47 workers lost their lives. Ten times more than any other shift in the history of the furnace. Oh my god. Many more were harmed by workplace accidents. In October of 1906, Wormwood lost his footing at the top of the highest blast furnace, known as Big Alice, and plummeted into a pool of melted iron ore. His body melted instantly. So, some people believe that you know he basically what happened was he was walking on top there was like a little catwalk on top of the furnace and he was walking there and the gases that were produced from melting that iron ore made him lightheaded uh, because he normally doesn't walk that path and he lost he basically fell over the railing and fell to his death others believe that because he was such an asshole to the people that worked under him, that someone basically murdered him <laughs> and pushed him off. But since no one else was there and he's at a furnace that's full of smoke and low visibility, 
no one else can corroborate that. So basically it's like, all right, something happened, but he died. He gone. What do you think? I feel like somebody murdered him, but that's just the true crime in me. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's no evidence because he melted. Um, So what do you think? I, 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 I don't know. I, I see, I see both scenarios. I see that both scenarios could be uh, very plausible because he, if you piss off enough people, especially working a midnight shift and there's only a select few people that would work a midnight shift. So you work with that same people over and over again. And obviously something's going to like snap at some point. But then at the same For time, day three working with me, I done snapped. <laughs> I'm out. But then at the same time, it's like, you know, he normally doesn't do wh- where he was at. He normally didn't go over there. So how could they plan to murder him if he didn't normally go over there? Unless it was somebody that wanted to murder him that worked over in that section that didn't normally have access to him. Boom. Solved. I mean, this is very, <laughs> very much conjecture. So I don't know. I think if, I actually. Just I don't know if you cracked so... the case. Let's, let's <laughs> calm down, Sherlock. Okay, let's calm down here. You can just call me Sherlock. Never mind, that wouldn't work. <laughs> Sherlock Jones. Sherlock Jones. I don't. I don't know. I mean, that sounds kind of cool. Works. It sounds kind of cool. I ain't gonna lie. So, do we just agree to name our kid Sherlock? Mm. <laughs> and they can just take my last name and not yours. <laughs> mm. We'll talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> That's for off the podcast. The legend of Slag grew each year after his disappearance. Workers complained of an unnatural presence when entering the furnace. A night watchman in 1926 sustained injuries after being pushed from behind and told angrily by a deep voice, to get back to work. The man upon searching the grounds could find no sign of any other living person. In 1947, three supervisors turned up missing, found unconscious and locked in a small boiler room in the southeastern part of the plant. None of the three could explain what happened to them. All agreed they were approached by a man whose skin appeared badly burned and who angrily shouted at them to push some steel. Many believe that slag still haunts the furnaces to this day. The Sloss Furnaces, along with being a museum, also runs as an event venue and a haunted house called Fright Furnace during the fall season. There are also... Would you go there? I I, I don't know. We don't really do haunted houses. Yeah. I mean, it sounds... chicken. It sounds cool, but like... It's like actually haunted, though. (laughs) But that like makes it more cool. Yeah, and I I have some some stories about that coming up here. So no, all right, I'll wait. There are also haunted tours of the location, at which as well at which visitors and employees have reported strange and unexplained events that happen at the furnaces. So, uh, frightfurnace.com. Um, that's the website for the uh, the haunted house that's located at the furnaces. And they actually post uh, stories or well, they actually on their website, they have they have the ability for people to post personal experiences uh, of paranormal things that have happened while they were at 
the haunted house or at least walking, doing a tour at the Sloss Furnaces. And so I have a couple of stories here. There's a couple that are, I found kind of interesting. Okay, then I'll make time to listen to them. Great. Thank you. Because <laughs> you know you're the co-host. So <laughs> You're the co-host, just to make this clear. I'm also a co-host. We're just two No, co-hosts. I'm the host. How are you the host? We'll discuss this offline. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll talk about this offline. Mm-hmm. Um, so story number one. So this person... Was there in, quote, was there in 2009, heard footsteps, even though I was the only person there. You were the only person there. It was ice cold in the middle of the summer. I had multiple batteries die in my camera. As I was walking out, I had the back of my hair stand up and felt like someone ran their hand through my hair. When I got home, I looked over the photos. Right before the hair incident, there was a photo with a purple mist in it. That place freaks me out. And then uh, my second one is actually from an employee. Uh, I used to work for Sloss, and through the month, we saw several things that was just straight up unnatural. Dare I say, straight up strange? I see what you did. (laughs) Uh, That was not Nicole. (laughs) Just to let you know. Okay. If that wasn't clear before. Uh, One night, we unexplainably lost power in most of the woods, uh, in most of the witch trail for over an hour and no one could figure out why this only happened after a customer taunted and called for slag in my scene though several times we saw figures move around through the factory and woods after hours one night walking through the tunnels and basement at law something grabbed my shoulder and pushed me from behind we also heard on several occasions voices and strange sounds coming from places that were blocked off to the public I can tell you for sure that Sloss is haunted and is one of the strangest places in Birmingham and possibly in the country. It is amazing if you go out there between midnight and 3 a.m. It's an experience like none other. Just be prepared for what you may see, hear, and experience out there. It's dangerous and terrifying, but wonderful in a creepy kind of way. Is it, is it wonderful in a creepy kind of way? I mean, that, that's what, that's what the, the guy said. I mean... I would the I would be I would be creeped out in, in the creepy <laughs> You'd be creeped out in the creepy way. Yeah. Yeah. In the creepiest of ways. <laughs> the Sloss furnaces have been investigated by news channels, television shows, and many paranormal organizations, each experiencing different paranormal phenomena. Some range from disembodied voices to physical Ooh. altercations and manifestations. I'm sure that none of the voices are like, ooh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is all right. Oh, yeah? <laughs> For example, on season one, episode five of Ghost Adventures, while investigating the furnaces, multiple crew members experience being hit or pushed by a spirit. There were also a sighting caught on camera of a ghost appearing from the ceiling and then vanishing in thin air. So, due to COVID-19, the Sloss Furnaces are closed right now, but with all of the evidence and accounts from numerous people, it is safe to say that the Furnaces are a hot spot for paranormal activity. I see what you did there. Oh my god, I'm so good at these puns. Oh my god, all the dad jokes. I'm so good. All right. (laughs) Wait, before you wrap up your references. Yes. 
your story was great and all. But you said furnaces. And I'm over here thinking it's like basement furnaces. Oh, no. Yeah, these things are huge. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I understand that now that you've told the story. But when you first said lost furnaces, I was like, how many furnaces does a house fucking need? <laughs> and then that takes us back to House Hunters. Milton and I were watching House Hunters yesterday. And this couple were house hunting, I think, in North Carolina. And... These people had like what, like four living rooms, two or like three or four living rooms, and like six bedrooms, and eight, uh, what was it, eight fireplaces? And the husband was like, "What are you gonna do with eight fireplaces? You can only uh, set the fireplaces one at a time." And like you can only sit at one fireplace at one time. And yeah, like, yes, I mean that's true. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you were telling me about furnaces. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> you're watching way too much HG. <laughs> Because I'm talking about melting iron and stuff, and that brought you to a fireplace. You know what? It happens. So, yeah, first of all. (laughs) No, I think it's totally, like, because, you know, you have to have a furnace in your basement to, some people do, like, up north. But they're not, like. It's called a furnace. I believe, yes, I, I understand that. I'm just saying that. In the context of my story, that doesn't make sense. I was telling you before your story started. Okay. That's what I was thinking. I okay. Well, I'm glad I at least got you off of that. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the end. Toward, not until like the last sentence though. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, everyone can melt iron in their fireplace. Yeah. Furnaces aren't fireplaces. I mean, same difference. Oy in this vey. context, in that context, same difference. Anyway. Okay. So, my references are uh, slossfurnaces.com. They're not the house furnaces. Uh, travelchannel.com, wikipedia.com, and frightfurnace.com. Dot com. Okay. Well, now that we're done with playing with fire, are you ready to hear about my story? I'm never done playing with fire. Oi. Okay. But I'm ready for your story. Yes. This week, I am discussing the Dakota Apartments in New York City. New York. Yonkers. Yonkers. So before we get... Neither of us have been, like, north of North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> and we only went to North Carolina because his aunt got lost when we were trying to leave South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, before we get started, I have to tell you all the backstory of how I arrived on this topic. Are you ready? I am. So Milton and I were watching a Jimmy O. Yang stand-up special. It's called The Good Deal on Amazon. And Jimmy said that he'd rather live in an apartment than a home because ghosts don't haunt apartments or like something to that effect. (laughs) (laughs) So I was sitting there and I was like, okay, cool, bet. I was like, bet I can find an apartment that's haunted. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to tell you so bad. I wanted to be like, hey, bet I can find an apartment that's haunted. Oh bet I'm going to do that God. next week. I mean, you could have did that. Just I would have like, known. No, I wouldn't have known where it was at. No, 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 no. Because no. I, t- I mean, I can't tell you nothing. Can't. Not nothing. So I, it's, it's like quietly been killing me for the past like week and a half mm-hmm. um, since we've watched that. So anyways, so if you have time and you have Amazon, go watch Jimmy O. Yang's stand-up special, Good Deal. Dang, what a plug. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so, so Jimmy back- O. Yang should pay us for that. Damn. <laughs> so back to my haunting. The owner, Edward Clark, 
was a lawyer and entrepreneur who made his fortune from the Singer Sewing Company. He uh, bought this plot of land and decided to build an apartment on it. The Dakota was built between 1880 and 1884 and is situated in Manhattan on West 72nd Street. Oh. Yeah. Clark commissioned Henry Janeway Hardenberg. This was the same firm that built the Plaza Hotel, which like, I don't fucking know, but apparently it's some bougie-ass hotel. <laughs> um, but the the Dakota was to be a $1 million apartment for 60 families, including uh, the owner, Edward Clark's family. So how much do you think $1 million US dollars in 1880 equates in 2020? Because if you thought $25 million, you'd be right. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought more. Really? Yeah. Nope. 1880? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have thought way more. A mere 140 years ago. <laughs> um... He bought the land. He bought the plot of land where it sits in 1877. It was very sparse when he bought the land, and not uh, at all how we think of New York. I'm gonna show you a picture because there's like not sh- like anything fucking around it, like nothing. Yeah, for real. That's it's like way before the city, right? Yeah, there's like a picket fence around it. Jesus. Sadly, Clark did not make it to see the grand opening of the Dakota. He passed away in 1882, two years before the hotel was completed. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. The hotel housed 65 suites with each uh, suite having between four to 20 rooms. Each suite? Yeah. Like each apartment had between four and 20 rooms. Holy crap. Um, Eight elevators and nine floors. No two rooms in the hotel were alike. The rooms had marble floors, mahogany woodwork, and electric lighting. A parlor. Uh, and each, each apartment had a parlor and servant quarters. Mm-hmm. But did it have an open concept? <laughs> did it have a living open space and kitchen and a, a large kitchen island? Because <laughs> those are on my list. Oh my god! <laughs> um, what are the views? <laughs> I need a view of the city, and that's not given to me. Um, the Dakota was one of the first large-scale residences to offer such amenities. You have to remember this was 1884. What's the HOA? Oh, my God. $789. Edward Clark's suite, or his, like, family's suite, since he passed away, however, did not have marble floors in it. They had sterling silver floors. What? Which I have no idea how the fuck that looked. Because there's no pictures. (laughs) And I'm very angry about it. That's crazy. So, before we go any further... I have some quirky things to share with y'all. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. So between 1884 and 1929, there were absolutely no va- vacancies. I keep wanting to say vaccines. <laughs> there were absolutely <laughs> there's no vaccines right now. No, <laughs> there were absolutely no no vacancies. The apartment stayed full for the first 45 years. <clears throat> it stayed full mm-hmm. for 45 years. The first 45, yeah. So no one moved out for nope. 45 nope. years. Jesus Christ! <laughs> they just loved it so much. Man, you know, like, we be seeing people move out, like, every other weekend. (laughs) (laughs) For all. And this is a nice-ass apartment, too. Apartment 72 went uh, went up for sale in 2017 for the first time in 50 years. It was up for sale for $12.5 million, and it is still for sale today. 
Oh, I'm sure it's like 20 million now. No, they've actually reduced the price a little. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh. I think it's like down to 10 or 8. Um, currently, the application process is hella rigorous. And the application fee starts at $1,000. Dang. Yeah, I'm mad I did two hundred dollars. I, I need that. Uh, I need that fee waived. Right. <laughs> if I'm could dropping imagine, ten mil, could you imagine the pet rent and the pet fees? They were not charged not a damn pet fee. <laughs> I swear to God, for ten million dollars, like what? What? What are my pets gonna do? How are they gonna ruin this marble floor? Like I can see them ruining maybe the wood. Yeah. But like. I don't know. But if you're if you're like buying that apartment, like you don't have like just like a mutt. <laughs> like your dog's trained and everything. Yeah. Um the apartments uh do not have any fire escapes. So this means my anxiety would just run rampant here. Yeah. <laughs> so sad sad story. Um when I was growing up, we didn't have a chimney a furnace <laughs> we, didn't, <laughs> we didn't have a chimney in our house and apparently all my sisters knew that santa wasn't real i was the only one that didn't know santa wasn't real and at least three years in a row i freaked the fuck out because i was not sure how santa was gonna get into our house <laughs> and then there's like the we're like the worry about burglars because what if somebody thinks he's burglarizing our house when he's just trying to get in and drop off the presents <laughs> because my mom was like oh i left him a key under the mat <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So there's that, and then sometimes we went to Dallas because we didn't live in Dallas when I was little, little. Um, sometimes we went to Dallas to see my grandma on Christmas Eve, and I was like, "Well, fuck! What if he can't find us, and we're in Dallas?" So. Oh my god! You know Santa keeps an updated address book for every child on the planet. You know he got the GPSs. He got he got he had Google before everyone else. Did. <laughs> right. So, speaking of anxiety, um, no fire escapes. <laughs> the architect was able to avoid fire escapes by slathering mud from Central Park between the layers of brick um, on the flooring to p- fireproof and soundproof the building. Oh. Yeah. So, no one can hear you scream. Oh, God. I didn't even think about <laughs> that. Oh, my God. That's that's Unnerving. scary yeah i mean that's cool it's fireproof it's bad that it's soundproof milton was just talking about yesterday how he missed that he wants another season of you because he misses like joe's talking hi you <laughs> oh my god hey there love <laughs> and the tenants i want to know who that old lady is and the next door <laughs> and the tenants of the apartment are not allowed to get rid of the doors or mantles while renovating if they don't want them there is a special storage place for them Oh, my God. Yeah. So you can't just chuck them out the window. <laughs> Some famous people have uh, called the Dakota home, inclu- uh, including Boris Karloff, Judy Garland, John Lennon, and Yoko Ono. Like I said, the application pro- process is rigorous as fuck. E- uh, even if you're a celebrity, that doesn't mean that you automatically uh, get to live here. Some celebrities, such as Madonna, Antonio Banderas, Billy Joel, and Cher... Have been turned down. I'm so mad that Cher was turned down. I'm oh, so why aren't you mad that Madonna isn't? I'm not a big Madonna like. Ma- fan. I feel like Madonna's the biggest celebrity out of all of those listed. Bro, come at me. Cher's way bigger than Madonna. Okay. Cher turned back time. But Madonna invented Vogue. So, anyways. <laughs> 
Yoko, Kabavi, I'm ready. Yoko Ono, Yoko Ono still lives there along with Connie Chung, and and you are the father, Mari Povich. Swear to God. Swear to God. <laughs> I would not have guessed Mari lived in flat fucking place. Yeah, I would never guess Bro. that. So you were sitting on the couch last night next to me when I was writing, like writing my notes, and I was just like, oh, I want to tell Milton so badly because I know how you love Mari. I fucking love Mari. <laughs> you are not the father. <laughs> Run off stage. <laughs> In 1968, exteriors of the Dakota were used in Roman Polanski's horror classic, Rosemary's Baby. But in uh, in Rosemary's Baby, the building is renamed the the Bramford after Dracula um, author Bram Stoker. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Have you seen Rosemary's Baby? I have not, but that's... Oh. A... It's one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um... So this apartment has a very morbid past. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Buckle up, motherfucker. So. Click, click. <laughs> John Lennon was murdered by a crazed fucker outside of the hotel. Oh, see, I was about to joke about that. Like, I I was like, so did he die there? I got, <laughs> when you said that John Lennon lived there? Well, I'm glad you didn't, because that would have just fucked with my whole story, huh? Yeah. So when I read this... um. One of the websites was like, oh, um, he was murdered by a crazed fan. Turns out, like, he was not a fan. <laughs> but he was just, so I, I didn't know what else to say. So, crazed fucker outside the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> crazed fucker that read, got you in the right. <laughs> exactly. On December 8th, 1980, Mark David Chapman approached Lennon and shot and killed him. John Lennon had been recording that evening and had dinner plans, but decided to go home instead to say goodnight to his son before heading to the restaurant with Yoko Ono for dinner. Also, why are you eating dinner at 11? That's so unhealthy. Um, (laughs) Life of a musician, baby. Lennon arrived at the Dakota right before 11 p.m. Fans usually waited around outside the Dakota to catch a glimpse of Lennon or more. He, uh, or more. He had just said in an interview on December 6th, so two days before, on BBC Radio's Andy, with BBC Radio's Andy Peebles, people come and ask for autographs or say hi, but they don't bug you. Yeah, you got a little bit more than bugged that day. Yeah. (laughs) Lennon and Ono uh, walked into the Dakota, passing the doorman, Yoko going in first. The doorman acknowledged Ono and uh, then Lennon. Then glanced at Chapman, who was standing on the street. The doorman later said he recognized him from earlier in the day. Then Chapman Ch- Chapman aimed and shot five hollow bu- uh, po- hollow point bullets at John Lennon from a Charter Arms thirty eight revolver. Then Chapman aimed and shot five hollow point bullets at John Lennon from a Charter Arms thirty eight revolver in rapid succession. He was about nine or ten feet away from uh, Lennon at the time. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Four of the five bullets hit Lennon, the other hitting the window of the Dakota. The other four hit Lennon in the back and the shoulder, puncturing his left lung. Lennon, bleeding profusely from external wounds and from his mouth, struggled up a few stairs to the reception area and said, I'm shot, I'm shot. Lennon then fell to the floor, scattering cassettes he had been carrying. Chapman removed his coat and hat in preparation for the um, cops to come. He didn't. He wanted to show them that he wasn't carrying any concealed weapons. 
He remained standing on West Seventy uh, Second Street until the cops arrived. Wow. Yeah. The doorman shouted at Chapman, "Do you know what you've done?" And Chapman just calmly replied to him, "Yes, I just shot John Lennon." Jesus. Yeah, and he said like he had read Catcher in the Rye, and like he was angry at some stuff that John Lennon had said about like being Jesus Christ and shit like that. So he was fucking crazy. He came from Hawaii just to kill him, by the way. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You imagine the ticket cost for that? Could you imagine the plane ride? I guess it wouldn't be too bad from Hawaii to California. I meant New York. No, that's bad. It's New York. Yeah, New York. So you're playing like... I like a- how I forgot where my <laughs> story was taking place. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a long fucking plane ride, bro. I, I barely made it from Texas to California. <laughs> I did just fine. I just you know, watched Your ears the movie. popped. Huh? I said, your ears popped. Oh, yeah, they did. Of course, um, that's not where the story ends, but that's where I am ending it for my little segment. Uh, because we don't need to know the rest um, for this. So we have covered the history and now the true crime. So now we're going to dive into the paranormal. You ready? So, all right. I, I don't want to. I just I have a question. I Hopefully I don't spoil anything. Uh, so if you ask if he haunts, I will not answer. Okay. I will leave that alone. <laughs> um, during its construction between 1880 and 1884, the Dakota began began acquiring a multitude of stories of paranormal presences and strange things happening. Painters working in the apartment reported seeing the ghost of a little girl with long blonde hair dressed in clothes from an earlier time, which, okay, Jesus Christ, 1880 is already an earlier time. All right. Could you imagine what clothes were before 1880? Jeez. <laughs> Probably super Victorian. Yeah. Huge dresses and stuff like that. Um, but she could be seen bouncing a ball down one of the hallways. Later, once the apartment was open, a woman who was waiting in the building's foyer saw the same blonde little girl go into what she thought was, um, what she thought at the time was a room, but later discovered it was only a linen closet. Mm. Yeah. Before his death, Lennon actually had a lot of paranormal experiences. He reported seeing a UFO from the window of his apartment. I wonder if it was the Brooklyn Bridge UFO from, mm. from that episode. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. see? Callback. <laughs> also, an apparition that he nicknamed the crying lady ghost in the hallways of the old building. Maybe because it's where he was killed or because he doesn't want to leave Yoko Ono, John Lennon's ghost is said to haunt the Dakota as well. The musician Joey Har- uh, Haro, who lived near the Dakota, Dakota, has made claims that he has seen Lennon's ghost standing in the archway where Lennon was shot, surrounded by an eerie light. A few years just after her, his murder. Many other residents have reported seeing his uh, ghost too, including his wife. She claimed that she saw him sitting at his white piano in their apartment, and he turned to her and said, quote, don't be afraid, I am still with you, end quote. Wow. Yeah. Which I think might make me more afraid. Why? Like, if you showed up in ghost form, I would definitely be scared. But I'm not like coming to harm you. I, w- I wouldn't be coming to harm you. But how do I know that you're not secretly like a demon? I mean, I think that's just a risk you take every time. Was <laughs> oh, that just a risk? It's just a, it's a risk. 
Because oh, you don't yeah. know. How are you going to know? You're not going to have just some holy water just right next to your next to your nightstand or on Bet. your person. Bet. And just like, all right, you know, we'll see if you're a ghost or you're a Instead demon. Instead of carrying a gun in my holster, I'm going to carry holy water. Just carry holy water. Yeah. <laughs> a holster with holy water. Yeah, like a water gun with holy water. <laughs> um... Several of Dakota's residents have reported objects in their apartments moving on their own. Frederick and Suzanne Weinstein, a married couple who live at the apartment, reported hearing footsteps and other noises in their apartment while their dining room furniture and rugs slid around on their own. One day, Mr. Weinstein was returning home. He saw the lights of a chandelier on in his living room, though their apartment had no chandelier. Wait, what? (laughs) On his way home, he looked up and saw his apartment, and there was a chandelier on in his apart- in his living room. But they don't have a chandelier. Nope. No chandelier. What the fuck? Then, <laughs> hold on. When he got upstairs to his living room, the, la- the chandelier was gone, but he found bolts in the ceiling where a chandelier had been installed. Okay, I have questions. What's so, up? So, so you're I telling me? I probably don't have answers. I, I I know. So you're telling me? I need to know if those bolts were there. No, those bolts hadn't been there before. Those bolts hadn't been there before. No. It but was just that doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's so that's wild to okay, me. Okay, so the ghost installed a chandelier, saw him coming, took down the chandelier, left the bolts. Boom. Another thing debunked. What the fuck? <laughs> Debunk him That's daily. so insane. That's crazy. I would be so pissed if I came home and there's screws in my ceiling and or shit. Especially for what you pay for these apartments. Yeah. Like, well, fuck, there goes my deposit. <laughs> I think these are like the apartments, like, you know, in New York and stuff. Like, it's like on Friends. Like, they're not really apartments. Like, they're more like, how do you explain Like, like condos. Town? Yeah, condos. Yeah. Like, you, they're yours. Yeah. Like, on girls, like, how they could take out a wall and stuff. I just made a reference to real, two really bad shows. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one's better better than the other, but we'll let the listeners decide which one we're talking about. <laughs> um, Judy Holliday, an actress from the 50s and 60s, was a resident at the Dakota up until her death. After Holiday's death, repair workers were fixing up her apartment, and they felt like they were being watched the whole time. Several of them spotted a, glo- a ghostly figure of a young man with the face of a small child throughout the apartment. Oh, yeah. Some of the uh, some of the Dakota's most sinister paranormal happenings take place. Guess guess what part? The basement. The basement. Hey, I bet that's where all the furnaces are. a bellman had gotten a tenant to go down to the basement one evening to show him the objects that had been moving around down there while the men investigated the basement a metal bar flew across the room and nearly struck the bellman in the head it then landed directly at his feet he went to pick it up but couldn't because it weighed too much what yeah Repairmen, electricians, and other visitors to the basement have reported seeing an apparition of a short man with a long nose and beard wearing a wireframe glasses, a wig, and a frock coat. According to many, the description, match, uh, the description of the ghost matches 
the description of Edward Clark, the original owner. So mm-hmm. maybe he stuck around to see his success. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So that is the story of the Dakota, and it proves that apartments can be haunted, too. <laughs> These are like high end apartments too. These ain't even like some rinkadink apartments. Well, do you want me to find some rinkadink no, apartments? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying these are your, these are high end. These are your bougie ass apartments. These are bougie ghosts. Yeah. I mean, I mean, John Legend may not John Lennon may not be <laughs> bougie, but I heard that like the people that like live here are all like really. I don't. I forgot what it. I read. It. I forgot exactly what it was. But like you have to like you have to bank. I mean, it sounds like it. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I know for a fact we're not moving there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then you have to afford to live in New York. <laughs> so <laughs> like step one, afford to live in New York. Step two, get a thousand dollars to apply for this apartment. Step three, make ten mil to pay for for the apartment itself. <laughs> so my references are apartmenttherapy.com businessinsider.com transcripts.cnn.com web.archive.org thelineup.com and two books uh, 1000 New York Buildings and The Beatles After the Breakup Wow Yeah. What a story Yeah. All inspired by a joke from a comedian Thank you Jimmy (laughs) O'Young So now that you have finished listening about furnaces and haunted apartments head over to into the portal and check out our friends over there they are part of the straight up strange podcast it's a show dedicated to all things lost unexplained and straight up strange our world is full of truly strange things mysteries left unsolved ancient treasures left buried beneath the sands, occult knowledge lost to the centuries long since past, and monsters lurking in our world's jungles, forests, and ocean depths, still waiting to be truly discovered. These are the things we seek on Into the Portal podcast. Venture into realms beyond our understanding every other Sunday as we discuss myths, legends, historical mysteries, lost artifacts, UFO encounters, cryptozoology, and more. Find the gateway to our interdimensional listening experience everywhere you get your podcasts and at intotheportal.com. Endless possibilities lie on the other side. The question is, do you dare venture into the portal? We're back. Woohoo. So don't forget to check us out and follow us on Twitter at H-E-H Podcast and on Instagram, Happily Ever Haunted Podcast. If you love the show, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear you guys' feedback. And remember, those that haunt together, stay together.